This is Corey with Black Box Hobby, and thank you for choosing to listen to the Vintage Baseball Card Podcast, where everything old is new again. Today we're going to be discussing the 1910-1911 Turkey Red set, also known as T3, as designated by Jefferson Burdick. If you end up liking this episode and would like to show some support while also showing your love for the hobby, please visit our store at tpublic.com to see our baseball card-themed shirts, hoodies, masks, magnets, and more. I'll have a link in the show notes, but the URL is tpublic.com slash user slash blackboxhobby. You can also follow us on Twitter at blackboxhobby. And please leave us a positive review on whatever platform you are using to listen to our podcast. On to the Turkey Reds. With the success of the American Tobacco Company's T206 set released the previous year in 1909, the tobacco manufacturers realized many of their smokers had actually become true collectors of their inserted cards. So the American Tobacco Company's various brands looked to expand upon the collecting bug they had helped instill in some of their smokers. To help provide a new type of card to collect while also promoting brand loyalty, these marketing men developed the stunning Turkey Red Cabinet Cards. These masterpieces were unlike any other baseball card produced previously. The lithographed player illustrations were depicted with deep, eye-popping colors, standing in stark contrast in both size and artistic detail to the smaller but also beautiful T206 cards. The T3 Turkey Red Baseball Cabinet Card was introduced to the smoking public in 1910. With thick cardstock and substantial size, the 1910-1911 T3 Turkey Reds are less baseball card and more work of art. Many collectors consider the Turkey Reds the most beautiful cards of all time, and it's hard to disagree when you see the beautiful colors and unbelievable details in the depictions of ballplayers at the time, including many Hall of Famers. A cabinet card was a style of photograph which was widely used for photographic portraits starting around 1870 and were very popular until demand faded throughout the 1890s. It consisted of a thin photograph mounted on cardstock. While the T3 Turkey Reds aren't technically cabinet cards because they are not photos, the 5 and 3 fourths inches by 8 inches cards giants compared to today's cards, which measure 2.5 inches by 3.5 inches, are often called cabinet cards because they are similar to the style of display of a cabinet card which was very popular just a few decades prior. It's easy to fit a T206 in a pack of cigarettes, but a 5 and 3 inches by 8 inches card is an entirely different story. Smokers instead had to redeem their turkey reds with a coupon. Unlike smaller cards like the T206, which could be stored in a small box, the T3 cards were also difficult to store and prevent damage due to their large size, which makes high-grade examples difficult to find and very expensive. Most commonly associated with turkey red cigarettes, the T3 coupons were also available through Old Mill and Fez cigarettes. However, it only took 10 coupons from Turkey Red to redeem one card, but the other two brands each required 25 coupons. Remarkably, the manufacturers gave the redeemer the option to choose the card they wanted from the checklist. 
The cars were released in two series with the full checklist including 126 cards. However, 26 cards, which were numbered 51 through 76, were actually boxers and are considered to be a separate set known as T9 Turkey Red Boxers. The boxing cards have a different frame design than the baseball counterparts, likely leading to its set distinction being separate from the T3 set. That leaves the T3 baseball set with a nice round number of 100 cards, 50 in each series. In a possible weird twist of fate, one of the boxers featured in the set, Abe Attell, was a prominent figure in the Black Sox baseball scandal in 1919 due to his close gangster connections. The turkey reds are visually appealing with the large, colorful images centered within a gray matte frame, accented in yellow. And I say frame in quotes as there's not an actual frame on the cards, it's just the border of the cards are designed to give the appearance of a frame. A mock yellow trophy plate is centered on the bottom of the frame displaying the player's last name and team. The Series 1 cards have three different types of backs. One back with a checklist of cards 1 through 75, and another with an updated checklist showing cards 1 through 76, with card number 76 being pugilist Jack Johnson, the first African American heavyweight champion. Both of these versions feature info on the bottom of the checklist regarding coupon redemption. Quote, any one of the above-named pictures given in exchange for 10 coupons taken from Turkey Red Cigarettes or 25 coupons from either Old Mill or Fez Cigarettes. Send coupons by mail or express. Charges prepaid to Baseball and Athlete Picture Department. Drawer S, Jersey City, New Jersey. This offer expires June 30, 1911. The third back features the same 1 through 76 checklist but omits the coupon redemption advertisement, some theorizing the ad being omitted to reduce the volume of Series 1 redemptions as the manufacturer was ramping up for the Series 2 release. The Series 2 cards have two back variations. The more common version features a checklist for cards number 51 through 126 with the coupon redemption advertisement on the bottom. The second, more rare version features an artistic advertisement for Turkey Red Cigarettes, which to me has an Art Deco feel to it that I associate more with the Roaring Twenties. Similar to the Series 1 back omitting the redemption advertisement, some believe this back was put into production to slow the redemption process as inventory began to run low. Because of the scarcity of this back, along with the beauty of the advertisement, these usually sell at a premium. In addition to these backs, some collectors have found blank-backed proofs, which also lack text on the fronts as well. Some front variation cards have also been found over the years, mostly errors related to misspelled names or updated teams, none being considered major scarcities. If you see similarities to the Turkey Reds and the T206s, there's a reason. 37 of the subjects are based on the same image as seen in the T206 set. In this set, however, the players are always presented in full view, from cap to cleats. 
so there are no portraits or chest-up depictions like so many of the T206 cars discussed in our last episode. Partly due to the fact that they could only be obtained through redemption, which required the purchase of no less than 10 packs of cigarettes, the T3 cards are much scarcer than its T206 brethren, which were inserted directly into packs of cigarettes. Of the 100 cards featured in the set, one-fourth of the players are enshrined in Cooperstown. The full list of the 25 Hall of Famers included in the set are Mordecai Brown, Roger Bresnahan, Sam Crawford, Fred Clark, Ty Cobb, Johnny Evers, Clark Griffith, Huey Jennings, Addie Joss, Nat Lajaway, John McGraw, Christy Mathewson, Joe Tinker, Tris Speaker, Rube Waddell, Vic Willis, Cy Young, Frank Chance, Frank Baker, Chief Bender, Eddie Collins, Walter Johnson, Willie Keeler, Bobby Wallace, and Ed Walsh. With the rarity of the Honest Wagner and Eddie Plank cards featuring so prominently in the T206 set, one might think one of these Hall of Famers would be the rarest card of the set but many hobbyists through experience in trying to obtain the set believe card number 114 of Bob Rhodes is the most difficult to find, leading some to believe it was a short print. With each set discussion, I choose five cards to highlight. These aren't necessarily the five most expensive or desirable cards. They are just simply the five cards that I find most interesting and most compelling as a collector. For the T3 Turkey Red set, number 5 is John McGraw. John McGraw seems to be a walking contradiction. He was a great player, but he's in the Hall of Fame as a manager. He's known for being a tough, hard-nosed manager, but he seems beloved by his players. He started his professional career as a player in 1891 and played significant time through the 1902 season, acting as a player manager in the 1899 season along with the 1901 and 1902 seasons. Starting in the 1903 season, which coincides with his first full season of managing the New York Giants, he would still play, but more sparingly, through the 1907 season. His lifetime war of 45.7 is very respectable as he led the league in runs twice, on base percentage three times, and nearly hit 400 in 1899 with a 391 average. Most of his best seasons came in the late 19th century with the Baltimore Orioles, best known for implementing the Baltimore Chop. But he would see even more success as a manager. Starting at the age of 29, he would begin managing the New York Giants in 1902 and would remain at the helm for 33 years, before retiring at age 59 in 1932, dying very shortly after walking away from the game he loved. His Giants would win the pennant 10 times and the World Series 3 times. His career wins as a manager ranks second only to Connie Mack, who we talked about in our Old Judge episode. Nicknamed Little Napoleon and Muggsy, he became known for his quick temper and penchant for bending the rules. His 132 ejections would stand as a record until Bobby Cox, another quick-tempered manager, would break the record in 2007. McGraw's Turkey Red, numbered 26, is a horizontal card portraying a full-body profile of McGraw 
in your typical take-a-knee baseball pose with his white uniform and black high socks. These cards truly are pieces of art reminiscent of the colors of the T206 but with even cleaner artistic details due to the larger size of the cards. Number four on my list, Johnny Evers. Johnny Evers forever immortalized in the poem Baseball's Sad Lexicon by Franklin Pierce Adams with its famous refrain of Tinker to Evers to Chance, referencing the famous double play combination from the early 20th century Cubs, was an MVP, a three-time World Series champion, and is a Hall of Fame second baseman. With characteristics similar to John McGraw, he doubled as a player-manager late in his career while being known simultaneously for his baseball smarts and surly temper. He was instrumental in the historic Merkel's Boner play, which we discussed in great detail in our T206 episode. While forever connected to Joe Tinker, the two despised each other off of the field. After his playing days were over, he stayed connected to the game as a coach, scout, manager, and even general manager. However, post-career successes were short-lived and he filed for bankruptcy in 1936. His turkey red card shows him standing over second base with his glove on the ground waiting for an apparent throw. His dark gray uniform contrasts against the long white sleeves from his undershirt, with much of the eye appeal and beauty of the card coming from the bright green grass and beautiful sunset sky of orange and yellow. Number three on my list, Eddie Collins. Eddie Collins won the MVP in 1914, was a four-time World Series champion, and is a Hall of Fame second baseman going down as one of, if not the best, to ever play second, right up there with Rogers Hornsby. His numbers are prolific. A lifetime 333 hitter and a member of the 3000 Hit Club, he led the league three times in runs, and his 741 stolen bases still ranks eighth all-time, all while being one of the most prolific fielders of his era. He would have minor stints as a player manager later in his career like McGraw and Evers. He was a star in his time and one of the highest paid players as well. Post-career, he was the general manager of the Boston Red Sox as he was a close friend with the new owner, Tom Yawkey. However, his prejudices against blacks along with Jews and Catholics, according to one author, was on full display as the Red Sox were the last major league team to integrate. Plaques honoring both Yawkey and Collins outside Fenway were removed in 2018 due to their apparent well-known prejudices. Collins's turkey red card shows him, perhaps in the on-deck circle, standing with rosy red cheeks and his bat resting on his shoulder, choked up every bit of three inches. His plain white uniform is accented with the two black stripes on his knee-high socks. The grandstands are in full display in the background, set against a clouded blue sky. Number two on my list, Christy Mathewson. Christy Mathewson, most famously known as the Christian Gentleman, partly due to his refusal to pitch on Sundays, but known by his teammates as Matty, is one of the best pitchers of all time. He was one of the inaugural five inductees into Cooperstown, along with Cobb, Ruth, Wagner, and Walter Johnson. His 373 career wins, 2.13 career ERA, 
and 79 shutouts all point to his dominance on the mound. Leading the league on five occasions in strikeouts, he'll forever be linked to his manager, John McGraw, for whom he helped win a World Series in 1905, one of Mathewson's finest years, where he pitched three shutouts in the Fall Classic. He was one of the best hitting pitchers as well, going 9-for-32 in 11 career World Series games, and would go on to be a manager himself for a few seasons after his playing days were over. However, his managing career would be short-lived as Mathewson would contract tuberculosis only a few years after retiring, the disease killing him at age 45. His respiratory system had been significantly weakened due to an accidental gassing he received in France while training with the Army's Chemical Warfare Service Division during World War I, and this likely led to his early death. Mathewson's turkey red fully displays his tall, six-foot, one-inch frame in his white uniform and knee-high black socks. While he's standing on grass, his stance hints that he very well could be on the pitcher's mound. A right-hander, he looks to me that he could be pitching from the stretch and just took his back foot off the rubber while opening up his front shoulder to check the runner at first. The classic New York logo adorning his left sleeve, his blonde bangs hanging out of his cap onto his forehead giving him a very youthful appearance. The background in equal parts bright green grass and powder blue sky give the card a pop of color. And number one on my list... Ty Cobb. Outside of Babe Ruth, Ty Cobb may very well be the most researched baseball player of all time. Mired in myths and controversies, his legacy is well disputed. However, what is unquestioned is his on-field talent and determination. Like Ruth, Bonds, Mays, and Aaron, his name is among those that can be debated with legitimate claim as the best player of all time. His many batting accolades are too numerous to list, but just to name a few, his 366 lifetime average is tops all time, and he would lead the league in hitting 12 seasons. He would eclipse 400 not once, not twice, but three times in his career, with six other seasons of 382 or higher. His 897 career stolen bases stands fourth all time. He is fourth all time in doubles and second all time in triples. His slugging is often underrated due to playing in the dead ball era, and his passion and fury between the lines may forever be unmatched. The Georgia Peaches' numbers speak for themselves. Like each of the players before, he would spend the back end of his career as a player manager. Many of the violent outbursts and racist stories, as documented by biographer Al Stump, have since been proven to be exaggerated and sensationalized. However, the men he played with would describe Cobb as the fiercest of competitors, with many stories, such as his attacking of a handicapped man in the stands for which he was suspended, need no exaggeration. Charlie Gehringer probably summed it up best when he said Cobb viewed baseball as, quote, something like a war, for which Ken Burns would name episode two of his wonderful baseball documentary. Cobb retired very rich and very famous. In his retirement, thanks to his investments in his home state company Coca-Cola along with General Motors, Cobb would become a philanthropist creating a large scholarship fund for Georgia youth. 
with his post-retirement family life continuing to be marred with issues such as deaths and divorces, I now view Cobb with some sympathy, with the many fabrications authored by his biographer, Al Stump, that forever tarnished his reputation, there is evidence that Cobb was in favor of desegregating baseball and was a fan of many of the early pioneers of league integration, specifically Roy Campanella and Willie Mays. There is no doubt that Cobb was a hard man, probably a deeply troubled man, but his post-career generosity and words on race and integration speak volumes of a man who likely grew past some of the ghosts that haunted him. His turkey red is one of the early iconic cards. It really is a beautiful work of art. Cobb, like Collins, appears to be standing in an on-deck circle, his feet placed closely together, so not a true batting stance, with a bat being held, notably choked up, apparently waiting for a pitch. The roof of the grandstands is hanging over the right shoulder of Cobb in the background, with the sky beyond a beautiful mix of reds, oranges, and blues, in what appears to be a fiery sunset. The look on Cobb's face? Determination, perhaps indignation. This card would likely be the crown jewel of any collection it is a part of. In conclusion, as I'm recording this podcast, we are in the middle of the Topps Project 2020 run. If you're not familiar with Project 2020, Topps hired 20 artists to reproduce with their own artistic style 20 iconic baseball cards, which in the end will be a 400-card set of art cards. While it started off slow, got super hot, and now is somewhat leveled off in terms of production numbers, I don't think there's any doubt that art cards are still highly desirable and a key part of the hobby that isn't going anywhere. Whether the Project 2020 cards will retain their value, increase their value, or decrease their value is really irrelevant to me. As a collector, I'm purchasing the cards that appeal to me and that I can appreciate artistically. While many vintage card sets, including those from some of the early years of Topps, are artistic representations of players, such as one of my favorite cards, the 1953 Topps Satchel Page, which is another pure work of art in my opinion, the T3 Turkey Reds set themselves apart from the competition in terms of beauty and artistic quality, at least for me. While there are many beautiful art cards from all eras, an authentic turkey red would be a conversation starter like no other and would be sure to catch the eye of hobbyists and non-hobbyists alike. It was Jefferson Burdick who we profiled in our first episode that once said, Card collecting is primarily an inherited love of pictures. And for many of us collectors, he was spot on. And that officially wraps up our look at the 1910-1911 Turkey Reds. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Vintage Baseball Card Podcast. I hope you'll stick around for the release of our next episode when we take a look at the 1914 Cracker Jack set, or E-145 as designated by Jefferson Burdick. Again, if you like this podcast and would like to show some support while also showing your love for the hobby, Please visit our store at tpublic.com to see our baseball card-themed shirts, hoodies, masks, magnets, and more. I'll have a link in the show notes, but the URL is tpublic.com slash user slash blackboxhobby. You can also follow us on Twitter at blackboxhobby, and please leave us a positive review on whatever platform you are using to listen to our podcast. 
Until next time, remember, everything old is new again. Happy collecting.